0: Amen. Amen. Yesterday, today, and forever the same. He was a Savior then, and He is a Savior now. Amen. 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 Well, welcome everyone, and it's so good to be with you all this morning and have uh, the chance to lift our voices loudly and praise together. Um, there's a couple things I have um, before we jump into the sermon, but before we go any further, I want to go ahead and just dismiss our children right now. We actually have Kindergarten through 5th grade today. Some amens from the parents. K through 5th this morning. Amen. Well, my name is Eric Thien. Uh I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Common Ground Northeast. Um, this is uh, um, there's, there's, uh, a few weeks ago. What we wanted to do is start recognizing some of our leaders so that everyone can kind of see who they were. And um, the last time we did this round, we had, I think, two or three people that we brought up. But there was somebody who couldn't make it up. And we'll do this um, periodically as we have leaders. Um, but what I want to do is just go ahead and invite Tiffany Brown to go ahead and come up to the front. <laughs> Tiffany loves the spotlight, so I'm going to ask her to do some song and dance and all kinds of stuff. Well, this is Tiffany. She's a friend of mine. She has been um, helping out with front of, uh, front of house, and so we kind of want to just formally recognize her as a front of house hospitality leader. Um, here, go ahead and step in. People online actually can't see you over there, so there you go. Boom. Give a little wave to the people. <laughs> but I uh, just wanted to say thank you to her for her faithfulness she was strategically a part of us as we walked through COVID I would say you were a backbone at scheduling and making sure that there was a front of house and in our lobby hospitality um, she now you work with with Lori in different capacities um, and uh, man we're just so glad that you're helping out I just wanted to give you a quick little round of applause to say thank you for all that you do and should I do a little plug too And uh, Tiffany might need some help uh, with greeters and some of the ministries up front. So if you're interested, this is Tiffany. Go ahead and make sure you say hello to her and uh, see if you can sign up and help out here and there. All right. Thanks. Do you want to say anything? No. All right. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Um, uh, one last thing too, um, just in accordance with our justice and reconciliation stuff, we do have, if you're, if you're going to participate in the Levi Coffin, we're just going to take a quick road trip, hang out together, grab lunch. I think there will be someone in the lobby, either Pastor Ken or Neil will be out there. Um, we do want to gather you up before we try to do that, but that's going to happen really quick because we have a short timeline. So if you're going to Levi Coffin House, even if, I think we can just take you if you haven't signed up, right? You can just show up. Is that true? Yeah, so if you're interested in going this um, t- today after service, just meet us out in the lobby and um, find either. I almost called you Levi. Find either Neil or um, Pastor Ken, and we'll, we'll do that. Um, and then in addition to it, Juneteenth is coming up. Um, in the past, we have done different kinds of celebrations and things for that. We realized that um, there's all kinds of celebrations taking place um, on uh, Juneteenth um, to celebrate just some of the, the the history of the day that we are recognizing. And so what I want to do, uh, what we decided to do in the Justice and Reconciliation team, instead of trying to put on something on our own with the limited budget um, and compete with the other events that are happening, we decided to curate. A list of other events that were taking place, but this is my call to you: Don't just take it as um, so, uh, uh, an extra day. Don't just take it as um, some kind of holiday. But actually, dig in, find out the the, um, the reasons we celebrate Juneteenth. It's a heritage um, for us to stop and recognize some things that have gone on in our history, and then to carry that ball forward as we um, as we engage in justice and reconciliation ministry. So, look, uh, keep your eyes and. Open in your emails. Um, we will send out a list of curated events throughout the city. Um, if you have kids, please take your kids, start this, use this as conversations um, as we uh, interact. Um, and and hopefully, um, I know this sounds like a giant goal and even a naive goal, um, but one of the phrases I kind of find myself saying over and over is if we truly want to eradicate racism, then this is the work that has to be done. These are the things that we need to walk through. And so um, to that end, we want to offer opportunities for you to do that. So um, take a look at that. Um, Try to go to one of those events. And if if COVID is of concern to you um, because of the crowds, maybe a lot of things are offered online. So make sure that you do something um, on Juneteenth we'll we'll mention it again here next week. Um, cool. How are you guys doing out there? Everyone doing okay? Yeah. All right. Well, today's the final day for a series that we've been doing on the gifts of the Spirit, but specifically we have been talking about um, the the more supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Again, not to say that the others are less important. We need the gift of administration, encouragement, exhortation, mercy, hospitality, um, which is one of the gifts that that we celebrated this morning through Tiffany's leadership. And um, all of these are important, but what we, we felt like was more necessary is that these ones have more questions. These are the ones that cause people that maybe have some division. And as a church called Common Ground, what we've tried to do is say, hey, here's a plurality of, of possibilities that you might believe on this subject we see as valid inside the Scriptures. There's a couple of them on the edges that are pretty exclusive, and we're going to say we don't exist there. And over here on this side, we don't exist there. But in the middle, we want to welcome anyone who has um, any number of those beliefs. Uh, and so today, the focus is very specifically going to be on speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Um, but before we get there, I was not able to finish out the end of the sermon from last week dealing specifically with with the gift of discerning spirits. I am about to set a timer for myself. (laughs) And And I'm going to give you the tiniest version of that Um, One of the questions that keeps coming up as a caveat is, how comfortable do you feel that you know what your gifts are? And I would want to say this. You've heard me say it before. Take one of those surveys online. Those are fine. They're helpful. It's like data collecting. In the end, though, it's not going to always be accurate. So talk to people you know. Look up some of the definitions. Seek out your history. What do you tend to be drawn toward? How are you wired? And ask other people, do you think I might have this gift? Or what gifts do you think I have? Because I think through community, it's the best way that we're going to figure out what actual spiritual gifts we have in the midst of that. So that's my encouragement to you. Here we go um, for a quick stint on discerning between spirits. Um, And let me read to you from 1 Corinthians 10. Um, This is the ending of that. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but 1 Corinthians uh, 12, verse 10 specifically says, um, and uh, as he's giving out gifts to another miraculous powers, we touched on that a couple weeks ago, to another prophecy, we talked about that last week, to another distinguishing between spirits, today we'll talk about that a little bit, and to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. And so today we have the task of sorting through the gift of tongues, but really quick, what I want us to do is hit this up, um, and let me give you a Story first as a definition. I'll give a couple of definitions, and then we'll move on into the speaking of tongues. Um, uh, at the same retreat I mentioned last week, um, where the pastor prophesied over me, there was another guy there who was there as a guest speaker. His name was Jamie Winship, um, and he's got kind of a presence online. Uh, I don't think he's really popular, but you'll be able to check him out um, if you're interested. In, um, he does a lot of hearing from God and helping you find your identity in Christ. It's kind of um, what he does. He spent a lot of time in the Middle East, so he's here as a guest speaker for us, and in the Midst of him arriving, what we decided to do is go into a time of worship. It was early in the morning, and everyone's worshiping um, in kind of their own way. And I remember I'm behind this couch, um, and as I'm sitting back behind, there's another guy beside me, and he is laying face down on the ground, like his. He's, he's just, I mean, going in in his time of worship, very humble, um, praying out prayers and, and dealing with some things in his heart. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see him launch up onto his feet and back up against the wall. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird, but I don't want to interrupt what I'm doing, so I kind of focus in. The time ends. The session ends. And Jamie starts his session out of that prayer and praise moment and says, hey, what is God you know, saying to you? What do you think you're hearing um, and uh, in the midst of it, this guy said, well, I, uh, I don't know why, but I just felt like this urgent sense of danger out of nowhere, and it's never happened to me before. I was worshiping just with the rest of you all, and out of nowhere, just this sense that like, something was wrong in the room, and, I, and I, I, it's still bothering me as we go into this session, so I'm kind of coming in with that um, baggage inside of it. And this was what was interesting that I thought that Jamie did in the midst of that, because this wasn't all what he's there to talk about, but this is, um, this is kind of his wheelhouse. And he said, what did you do with that emotion? He's like, I, I didn't like it. And he said, well, this is what I want you to do. And he said, this prayer could definitely change your life if you got used to praying it. And he said, when you felt that prayer, instead of asking God, take that away, I want you next time to ask him, what are you telling me right now? What is it that you're trying to make me aware of right now? And then he likened it to pain on your arm, and he said, if you get cut on your arm, the first thing you want it to do is to go away, right? No one likes pain, but there's a reason your body was built with pain receptors, so that when you feel that, you look down and say, oh, I have a cut on my arm, I need to stop the bleeding, otherwise I'm going to be in real danger. He said, what if your spirit was built in with this? What if there was a discernment built inside of your heart and your mind and your spirit that tells you, oh, this, this sudden moment of sadness or this weird feeling I got when I walk into the room or, or um, this sense of fear out of nowhere, what if instead of just saying go away, you stopped and said, God, what are you trying to make me aware of right now? And just sit with that for a while. And maybe it's nothing. Maybe it was just your body reacting to something. Who knows? He said, maybe there was something going on spiritually in the room that we couldn't see physically. And you were the one with the gift, with the sensitivity, with the sudden understanding to know that something was wrong in the room. All right? And so I love that because I think what he was doing, not only was he giving us a glimpse of what that gift of discerning between spirits could be, but he was even kind of helping us develop it if we had it. Like, here's a, here's a prayer to pray in the midst of this. Well, I've been in the habit of adding um, more formal kind of definitions that different people have said. I've been using the Jewish New Testament throughout all of this. Um, I found it to be helpful, and they kind of gave a little bit. So let me read that one to you. Discerning between spirits is the ability to tell whether a particular phenomenon is from the Spirit of God, from a person's own spirit, or from some demonic spirit. One might call it the supernatural ability to avoid being deceived— The particular gift is often needed in order to discern whether healings, miracles, and prophecies are truly from God. The NFV application um, says that it probably refers to the God-given ability to discern if an apparently inspired speaker is ministering by the power of the Holy Spirit or by some counterfeit power so it kind of seems in general there's an agreement that this isn't just natural discernment. It's just not my ability to reason. That it might use um, your your intuition, but it's not just intuition. Those with this gift seem to be awakened to what's going on in the spirit. And in part of this series, what we've tried to do is say, there's this material world that we tend to interact with, and then there's a spiritual kind of realm of the world that we interact in that we're less aware of on a regular basis. So it seems that somebody with the discernment of spirits is more aware that instead of disintegrating, separating out those two things, they have a better integration of what's going on spiritually around us, just kind of naturally. And that unseen material world is less uh, separate. They're quickly and accurately able to discern whether there's something spiritually unusual going on around us. I'm going to give a couple of examples um, uh, from the scriptures, um, but here's how I think it could pan itself out somebody with this gift may be able to understand if they're hanging out with someone or hearing a speaker whether that person is well-intentioned or ill-intentioned or even dangerous they might be able to understand whether a message is from a real prophet or a false prophet pretty quickly. They might understand where a supernatural event is of angelic empowerment or demonic empowerment, that a even convincing person, because there's plenty of convincing people out there, that what they're saying is either true or false, or that a given circumstance is something good or evil. And one of the best examples that I can think of is in Acts 16, Paul calls out a spirit of divination in a girl who on the surface is actually saying something that you and I would all say amen to. She says this, She's following them around and says, these men are the servants of the Most High God and are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Amen. That's a pretty good statement. But she's trolling them in real life, first century trolling, whatever that would be. (laughs) And somewhere in there, Paul discerns her intentions are actually convoluted. And maybe even coming from her, she discredits what is being said. Eventually, he knows through this discernment that there is something spiritually demonic going on, and he calls it out, and then it causes a big, um, I don't know, it might might even be a riot. I can't remember if that's what happens, but they they get really mad because all of a sudden she can't tell the future and help people get money. And so, uh, he has this ability. There's another time where there's a magician that's kind of trying to sign on for God, and Paul is able to discern that this uh, guy named Simon um, is, uh, is just doing it for his own personal gain. And so, there's this kind of supernatural ability to understand and discern between things, all right? That's all I have time to talk about today. If you had any other questions about that, um, you know, feel free to contact me. I'd love to have any more conversations. Um, but I believe there are people in this room that have this gift, and so we want to make sure that we have some sense of what the Scriptures say about it and that you are freed and cleared to operate in that gift um, as, it, as it is um, used today. Now, I want to turn our attention to the speaking in tongues. Um, here's, here's my big convec- uh, confession. I have never, ever in my life ever spoken in tongues. Um, it's just not a gift that I have. Um, I have been open to it. I have even prayed for it. I remember reading through Corinthians, the, the book that we're going through in this, um, for this series that we're referencing, and even thinking, I might not be thinking about this as much as I should. I mean, it says, earnestly desire some of these things. I don't earnestly desire speaking in tongues. And so I remember probably six, seven years ago, I'm at a Starbucks reading through it, and I'm like, all right, probably not the appropriate place, Jesus, but will you give me the gift of speaking in tongues? And nothing happened. I prayed for it another time, and uh, I heard something from God that was something along the lines of, he wasn't going to give me this gift because I'm already controversial enough. (laughs) And if If I started speaking in tongues, I would have even less audience than I already had as it was. Now, I don't know maybe that season changes. And in the context I was at, speaking in tongues would clearly have discredited me because they were cessationists. They would have said that this doesn't happen anymore at that church. And so I've attended churches um, that were uh, teaching this on a regular basis, but it's never been my normal church diet. I've also been discipled by people who spoke in tongues and prayed for me to speak in tongues. One of the earliest disciplers, we attended uh, my, well, at the time, my wife and I, um, in New Orleans, we went to a pretty well-known Pentecostal church on Sunday nights, just as we were giving and ministering. In the morning, we would go to be um, participants in, in a Sunday night service at a very charismatic church, and everyone was speaking in tongues around us. Um, and then also the, the, um, uh, the, the retreat, the, the worship school I 've mentioned on a few occasions, um, they would also have taught uh, along those lines. But for whatever reason, I just ha- I've just I 've never spoken in tongues. Um, At the end of the service, um, I'm going to bring someone up that has and give them the opportunity to kind of, through interview, give some experience-based stuff, because at the end of these, I tend to say, okay, so here's what the Scriptures say, here's some examples in the Bible, and here's an experience that we have. It's kind of the formula I've been using for this, and I want you to have that opportunity in the midst of this. I think in this building, there is a lot of different experiences. Even this morning, um, I asked some people as we were praying together for the service, we have our production meeting, I said, anyone here? Someone's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. No, that was normal at the church, but I don't. Um, even jokingly, someone said, I pretended to have the gift of tongues a couple times at a camp one time, uh, but I don't think I really ever had it. And others like, yes, yes, I have. Um, and in the midst of this congregation right now, we have multiple people with lots of different experiences. Um, but, but as we always kind of fall under um, and there's a famous line by one of the missiologists, um, uh, f- kind of famous missiologist, Leslie Newbegin. He said, we need the witness of Christians of other cultures to correct our culturally conditioned understanding of Scripture. Let me read that again. We need the witness of Christians of other cultures. Catch that we're blending a couple of different cultures in this church right now. To correct our culturally conditioned understanding of the Scripture. And so there's a lot to be learned by knowing and hearing other perspectives that's what makes us who we are, because we are common ground, and so we want to invite and bring in a, a, a plurality of these ideas. This gift in particular, um, because of its implications uh, about salvation and the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give a little bit of a teaching um, on this, uh, coming out of the scriptures, and then we'll move forward um, here in this in the ser- sermon. Um, So I I want you to say, uh, I want you to see this. In this room, some will say that the Spirit is just assumed in me, but that the gift no longer exists. That's just something we assume, like these gifts were for a different time, and that's not today. Some in here say, well, these gifts might exist, the speaking in tongues might, but I have the Holy Spirit because I'm saved. Tongues, uh, you know, in my opinion, seem just a little bit questionable. There's others in here who say, I am saved, I have the Holy Spirit, but I don't have the gift of speaking in tongues because just not all people do have that gift. Others would say tongues are proof that the Holy Spirit is in you. This is called second baptism. That you might speak in tongues, uh, sorry, and if you don't speak in tongues, uh, you might be saved, but you actually don't have the filling of the Holy Spirit in you. And then there's kind of this other end that tongues are proof of Holy Spirit and salvation. If you don't speak in tongues, then you actually were never saved to begin with. There's a little chart that is going to be impossible for you to read through, but I wanted to throw it up there. Do we have it? It's the, the print is small, and what I did is I made this available in a PDF so that you could see it. Um, one of the things I wanted you to understand is I think that I, this is my, these are Eric Thien's notes. I don't say that to take credit. I say that to say this is probably incomplete. This is my brainstorming as I try to think through all of the different perspectives that could be in this room. But I will give you just this quick. On the left-hand side, the number one cessationist, that'll kind of give you one end that says these things don't exist. The full Pentecostal position on the right-hand side says that you aren't, not saved if you don't speak in tongues, because that's evidence. Again, one, wh- hear me say it one more time. Both of those extreme ends that are exclusive, we don't accept here at Common Ground Northeast. You might believe that, and you're welcome to come, but as a teaching, I'm not going to teach that those are true. But look at how much is in the middle. And I could even think of a 4.2, 4.3 in their caveat as I was trying to put this into position. And so here's, here's my call to you. We're going to have to be generous with one another in unity, knowing that we are not going to agree on all of these things, but tends to be that when, somebody, when there's a disagreement, that more conservative side of it will win out because everyone else is just acting out of control. And I don't think that should be uh, true inside of our congregation. And so check this out. If you're interested, we'll send it out. If you want to email me at eric at you can feel free to do that um, and read this and kind of look. But it gives you some idea of where people are on how tongues affect salvation, how it affects the Holy Spirit, whether or not it's in you, how tongues might be um, interpreted. And then I added the fruits of the Spirit line in there because if you'll catch in there, almost all of us agree that the fruits of the Spirit are necessary. What are the fruits? Well, the fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Anyone know that song? Gentleness is self-control. <laughs> we have to show those. An increasing measure. So, so let's be generous with each other as we do this. Um, check out that graphic later on because I know it's hard to see, but I did want you to see there's kind of a, a, a continuum of, of ideas. Well, there's lots of perspectives in the Bible. Let's, let's check out what the Scriptures say. I want to read to you um, the opening of Pentecost and how it involves um, tongues. Acts 2, 1 through 12. Go ahead and open up your Scriptures with me if you have them. If you don't have a Bible, there are some at the stations behind you. And, of course, we'll have them up on um, the screen. It says this. When the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came and heaven came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be what Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound first, real quick, why are they there? Because it's Pentecost, <laughs> they're celebrating a holiday. So there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation, that's ethnicity, under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans, i.e. they shouldn't be able to speak these languages? I lost my place, sorry, looking for it. Uh, utterly mean, aren't these all uh, Galileans, then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene. That's so specific, like that one tr- place from this one spot. They even have that dialect playing in their favor. Cretans, oh, sorry, I've skipped one. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Catch theologically, and I won't be able to build this out, but a plurality of tongues at the Tower of Babel was used to confuse and divide a people who are united around usurping God's authority. And here we see the redemption, where God uses a plurality of tongues to unify and bring people together. That's a powerful moment that we're witnessing here as we read the Scriptures. The definition of what we're dealing with here has lots of possibilities. There's multiple places um, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. There's a lot on this, and I'm going to give you a little bit about. But what I think we see here is at least some level of supernatural ability to speak in a language that you never learned. You didn't grow up with it you didn't study it for 10 years or two semesters in college you didn't learn it by immersion you just had it supernaturally and so to iterate i want to remind us so i believe that all people can do the things that we've talked about not everyone does do all of these things and some have the gift to do them in special measure. And so this would be the gift to do this in special measure. One commentary, it's called True to Our Native Land. Paul closes the discussion of spiritual gifts with a number of important questions, all designed to level the field regarding spiritual gifts. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? That's from 12, 29, and 30. What is clear is that he expects them to say, We are not all apostles, we are not all prophets, we are not all teachers, we are not all workers of miracles. And so we see this rhetorical device taking place where he's asking these questions with the obvious assumption that the answer to that is no, we don't have all of these gifts. And so again, we're not going to hold to the idea that you have to display the gift of tongues for salvation. Um, where, where I get challenged is I tend to be, well, just not all have this gift. I've never had it. And so um, it, it may, it probably, I have the Holy Spirit, at least to some measure. What challenges me is that one jump over that causes me to say, but maybe there's a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit that I just haven't experienced yet. But I'm like over here because this is safe for me but what if this over here is happening and I'm missing out on it? No, 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 I've been told that I'm this, so I'm good. We're going to stay over here in safe world. And so what I want to do is challenge those who are in the same position as me. Be challenged by those who might say there is a feeling that might be greater. I've never experienced it. I have the experience that I have, but what if? Okay, so with that said, there are about three tongues that we see throughout the Scriptures. I'm going to list them and I'll break them out just a little bit. Supernaturally, one, supernaturally speaking in ordinary human languages other than those that you know. Now, now, one question is, isn't it just somebody, some people have a natural ability to pick up languages pretty quickly. I don't think that's what's being talked about here. This has something more supernatural attached to it. That's a very generous interpretation. We can include it, but I don't think it stops there, that there is something about this means a a language you have not spoken in. The second one, so first, speaking in ordinary human languages, the second is the supernatural ability to speak in a personal and possibly angelic prayer language. The third one is the supernatural ability to speak in an interpretable tongue for public exhortation for the community of believers. And I will tag onto that, then, the second gift that we haven't talked about quite yet, which is the gift of interpretation, the supernatural ability to interpret the tongue being used to exhort a public congregation. So if we look at each of these a little closer... um, and and we talk about how they might fit into our lives, I want us to engage them in a church in our gatherings as a body of culturally mixed believers in this room. So first, this supernatural ability to speak in human languages, in one that you don't already know, it seems to be what's happening in Acts and what I just read. There there is languages known by other people around people who have come from out of town. They listed, I didn't even count them. I know I was using my fingers, but I didn't actually keep track of it. But it was definitely over five because I had to double down and go back into this. Lots of different tongues, lots of different languages from all over the place that were being talked about in the book of Acts. We definitely see that happening in Acts 2. And the question is so who is that for? Well, it has a missional purpose. It has the ability to break down barriers and to spread the gospel into other areas. I have one quick story. A friend of ours um, uh, from Phoenix was telling me recently that they were on a mission trip to Mexico. They do not know Spanish. Spanish. And there was something that happened that caused a panic. I want to say, like a kid got hurt or injured, and all of the kids were were kind of panicking about it. And so to calm them down, I said, "Hey, bring them into this other room. We'll take care of this kid on their own. You bring them into this room, calm them down." And so the idea was, I'm going to give them a quick little VBS lesson. Gather all the kids around, have them sit down, and she began to teach. And she taught in Spanish. Clearly, fluently, she taught in Spanish. And so when I say, hey, have you ever spoken in tongues? She's like, yeah, that was it. It was a known language. I supernaturally had it. I've never been able to speak Spanish again. The second thing here being the supernatural ability to speak in a personal or private and possibly angelic language. Described as an edification of the person, right? The verses in verse 1, 4, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 14 um, give us these descriptions. Edification of the person speaking or singing in their spirit as an overflow of prayer of praise, and of worship, or thanksgiving. All of those are given as descriptions of this kind of prayer. It's often described as praying in English, and then some other language begins to just kind of take over as you're speaking. From testimonials, sometimes people know that they are, what they are saying, and other times they don't know what they're saying. It's not really clear, and we don't have anything in the scriptures that tell us one way or the other. I want to read from Romans 8. It may also be this overflow of intercession. It says this 8:26 and 27, "In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints." according to the will of God. So that even means maybe they don't know themselves, but there's something, an intensity to the way in which they wish they knew how to pray, but just don't know how to say it. What about the angelic tongues? I do see plenty of, um, of, of inference, I guess, in the scripture for this. And I heard one pastor say it like this, In Brazil, they speak Portuguese. In Spain, they speak Spanish. In Russia, they speak Russian. Some speak Malay. Some speak Punjabi. Some speak Greek, German, Turkish, Arabic, French, and Hebrew in their respective locations. And in heaven, God and the angels speak a heavenly language. He called it heavenese. I thought it was a little goofy, so I'll give it his quote. But there is a heavenly language Another commentary said this: that this is the tongue of uh, this is the tongue the angels speak in heaven. And I love how they put it. Remember, we will be like the angels. They're citing Mark and Matthew that we will have some sense of uh, 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 similarity to the body of the angels when we're resurrected. Thus, speaking in angelic tongues is a shadow or a taste of the of heaven come to earth. Isn't that beautiful? So we have these two normal languages, there's an angelic language, uh, and and at times people may speak in in that tongue. Third, the supernatural ability to speak in the interpretable tongue. Human language or other, again, not necessarily specified, it does need to have, uh, sorry, the question is, does it need to have an interpretation? Well, let me read to you again from the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14, just one quick little stint. It says, now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you? Unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction, even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue. How will anyone know what you're saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying. I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Later it adds, "Say, how can we say amen to your thanksgiving since we do not know what you are saying? <clears throat> so do we need it? It's like, I don't, it's, it's not even a for sure yes or no. It just says like, if you want it to have its maximum capability of blessing all the people in the room, then an interpretation is the best case scenario. In fact, Paul then says prophecy would even be better in a large group gathering just because it's helpful for that thing. But does that mean somebody can't just speak in their own language, personal language, while they're praising or praying, God, when I come up here and repeat those songs to you as the worship is ending, I'm just praying out and praising and if I naturally speak in tongues, it's possible that that could overflow into that session without the need for an interpreter. But if I had a, hey, I have a thing that I'm supposed to impart for this congregation, it's not useful for us without an interpreter. And so we want to tag on again this gift of interpretation. This, this person who in the room may supernaturally be able to say, I, I don't speak that language, but I know what he's saying right now. I know what she is, is, is uttering right now. And so they can give us that translation. I've been in a couple of situations where this has happened. It was mostly pretty generic, a praiseworthy thing that took place. But, but that interpretation, um, whether you're using this public exhortation versus your prayer language in a context where we're all worshiping together could definitely become blurry. Blurry. So again, this idea of grace for one another in these moments, knowing that this could happen, knowing that there will be people in this room speaking in tongues as, if they're not already, speaking in tongues as we're worshiping together and speaking to one another. But in some case where there's this formal sense like, I have something that needs to be shared with the congregation, it's a tongue. We would want somebody to have the gift of interpretation. I want to throw to you um, a mentor of mine. He challenged me one time because I was saying, no, no, man, you have to have an interpreter. You've got to have an interpreter. He said, well, w- what do you do if someone has a tongue? They might even be hesitant, but they become obedient and they're like, I'm going to share this tongue, and they speak it out to the congregation. Then the interpreter doesn't have enough courage to give the interpretation, and they just leave them out there to dry. That could be a possibility that we have to consider in the midst of this. So what I want to do again is open some things up to us... Um, I told you earlier, I don't have the gift of speaking in tongues, um, and and I'll continue praying that if that's something that God wants me to have, I'll pray it over you all, and if it's not something that God wants you to have, then it it won't happen. Um, uh, And I tend to fall again in this category. I just don't think all people have it, and I may never have that um, gift, Uh, but I don't want to close it down on my own. So as such, I don't have any experiences, so what I want you to do is give Pastor Ken a round, warm round of applause as he comes up. I told you we had a special guest speaker <laughs> in the flesh, Pastor Ken. <laughs> so I'm going to kind of do this a little bit interview style and just ask a couple of questions. Uh, and then Pastor Ken is going to give us um, just his answers of how he would normally do this. I would also encourage you to, we did a quick video just from some cultural engagement as we were talking around this subject that we thought was important for everyone else to hear, and uh, we recorded that and published it here this week. So go back and check your email if you have a chance um, and take a look at that. Pastor Ken, doing all right, man? Straight. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I can't can't wait for you all to hear what's about to happen. It's good. Um, Let me ask you a couple questions. Did you want to start with the teaching first, or do you want to all right, all right, a couple questions. So here's a question that I, that I just, uh, you know, have myself for him, which is this. When you speak in tongues, just simply what's happening?
1: So uh, I grew up in a culture where it was not, I wouldn't say just not formed. From the cradle, I've experienced that. Right.
0: You got it? Come on. There we
1: go. There good. we go. Good, good. I should say that I grew up uh, uh, in an in a in a, in a, in a environment where tongues were not foreign, right? And in fact, uh, the gifts were—it was prayed that the gifts would be exhibited in assembly, right? It was a hope. It was an expectation and a hope, yeah. right? It didn't always happen, uh, but as opposed to being the exception, we hoped that it would be the rule. Mm-hmm. Right, And so to hear people privately, so, so those categories were, were make a lot of sense to me because the majority of the time when, I, when tongues take over, it's, it's me in private, mm-hmm. in prayer, and mostly in prayer. But uh, it does happen in assembly, so it can be private but in a public place. So mm-hmm. in other words, I could be at church in the back row and I'm exhorting God, I'm, I'm in my worship, I'm in my praise. And I'm going to answer your question here in a second. And yeah. and it takes place in an environment, because you're all around. It's public. You hear me. But that, that's really me kind of interfacing with God. Yeah. So what happens with me and when, when I speak in tongues, it's kind of like I explained to you, like an airplane taking off. So I'm praying, mm. or God has me focused on and it, and it has happened a lot when I went into pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. right? So not as much so. When I was assigned to be praying for people when I, in a lot of intercession, when it's not me, it's, it's like like yesterday, uh, one of the members of the healing place died. So, so when I'm praying for their family, right? And, and I'm focused on it, there's an intent that God wants. So he has me focused on it. I agree to spend 20 minutes praying for this family or whatever, or for this person, this circumstance, this cause or whatever. So I'm generally focused on that. And it has my full attention and, and and I'm in as deep as I can be in my flesh. Mm-hmm. So then what happens is God has me focused on that, and then at some place I'm on the runway, and my intensity goes so far in that it just lifts off. And at that point, the tongues come in, and they take over, and so then evidently what I assume is that in my experience in my vocabulary and the best that I am, the best that I can be, it's not quite getting where God wants it to get, mm-hmm. right? So then the language takes over, the tongues take over, and then that's when God is, is using my tongue to express, because of course, it's his will to heal, it's his will to address this circumstance. That's why I'm there spending my hour or whatever, because he's given me this agenda. Mm -hmm. But although he gave me this agenda to pray or to speak to that or whatever, my part is just to give it my time, my focus, but the intensity to which he wants it addressed, I'm incapable of giving it that. Mm -hmm. Right, And so then he takes over or the Spirit takes over and prays out of me
0: at a level that that I don't have the capacity to pray. Mm, That's good. I love the analogy we were talking about, and you can imagine as a couple of pastors, like, yeah, and the lift is the wind of the Spirit, and all these different things, crazy ideas. But the analogy is so good um, of of the takeoff. You also used one about running. Like, I'm running so fast that my feet can't even keep up with it, and something else has to carry me forward. So we all have the experience of running
1: downhill. And at some point, our legs turn over faster than we're capable of. Of, of running. So it, the expression is, I'm running faster than I can run. Yeah. And it happens to me all the time on the football. when I play football, I catch a ball and I'd be off balance. So my legs are turning over and eventually I just have to fall because I can't keep up. And that's what happens with tongues. I'm, I'm in it, I'm invested. But this, the Holy Spirit lifts it to a level that I just can't contain. I can't keep up. And it's kind of like a ball that goes in the woods. I know where it went in, but I don't know where it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, and sometimes I think I kind of know categorically what the spirit is saying and what it does, what it's doing, and the result it wants. Cause I was, I was with the spirit on the runway. Yeah. Right. But like the spirit just took off. I can't say for sure where this plane is going. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm just, I'm just on it. And that's, 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 that's tongues for me, right? It is, it is as intense and as focused as I can probably be. Uh, it happens for me a lot in warfare, when yeah. things happen, and, I, and personally, it, it does kind of embody my character. If I don't like it, if I'm intolerant to it, and that, that part, of course, is the Holy Spirit, because my makeup and character, hopefully, uh, is, is mostly the Holy Spirit. I'm dying, and the Spirit is becoming more and more alive. So, so a great part of who I am, hopefully, is Holy Spirit. Um, but it happens for me more as a pastor, and things that I'm intolerant to, personally. And, I'm, and I want to fight. Or if, if I'm worshiping and praising, something miraculous happened, and I'm rejoicing with a family. This person was supposed to die, and they didn't die. And, oh, yeah. praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And then at the, the highest level of euphoria, and then past what I can express my vocabulary or whatever, the Holy Spirit, the tongues take over. So I experience it in the full range of my emotions ability. For me, mostly, it is praise and adoration. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in pastoring, it is also very much intercession, intolerance, and, and interceding in a fighting kind of way. Yeah. right. So I can experience it in audacity and anger and all of that uh, righteous. Anchor, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Well, I love
0: you. We were talking about this earlier. And I'll actually I'll ask the next question because you're kind of going into that territory. But the idea that we even just found in Scripture in Romans is, because this was our conversation, because I said it, something about joy, and he said it, the intensity of this joy. So when I am in joy, then it intensifies that joy. But if I'm in intercession, it intensifies the battle that's going on. But even here, as we we're looking at Romans, there's groanings. And It's like, I, I want to pray for you, and I have this thing, and I don't even know what to call it, but it intensifies. That, that groaning and inability to do that. So I feel mm-hmm. like it was perfectly, I mean, we saw it right in the scripture, that mm-hmm. there is a, a part to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm dialed in as much as I can be.
0: Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And
1: so uh, I'm Kenneth Rush. I'm, I only know what I know. I only have what I have. I, I bring it to the Lord and I offer it. And then he takes my little vocabulary or little heart or little... That yeah. I know and takes it to the yeah, next level. Yeah, or loads, line. right? Just like,
0: right. like the loads and multiplies it. Exactly. In in um. So here's one time. One of my first experiences. I had a close friend in college that I was saying, uh, Hey, what is it like when you speak in tongues? And she said, It's like pure joy being washed over me. Now, catch my confusion because I just asked a functional question about your lips, and she immediately went to a feeling she had when it happened. And I'm like, Well, hold up, like that's not even the question, man. I didn't ask you how you were feeling. I want to know. What, what tongues is doing. Like, Do you see how my, my, my separation in there, having no cultural um, you know, context for that at all? And let me say, I maybe knew Jesus for two years. I had never encountered anything like that. So I'm um, so fresh into knowing Jesus. So, so here's, here's my question. In, in, the, in, the, in the scope of tongues, there tends to be, or let me say can be, I won't even say tends yet. I'll let you answer that question. A feeling that accompanies it. And, you, and we just described that it, it matches you know, the type of prayer that you're praying. But what's the feeling that comes with the gift of tongues? It's more than just functionally speaking a different language from your mouth. It's intense. Sometimes. Intensity.
1: Yeah. Like I'm, I'm on 100. Yeah. Right? Like, except I can't go to 100.
0: Yeah. So I, I
1: understand that the Spirit is out there doing warfare. I feel a. Particular sense of participation, but just mm. at a higher level than I can actively, you know, be there. I'm not driving for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, what does it feel like?
1: Um, I've experienced it most of my adult life. So nobody ever asked me this, by the way. So yeah, pure uh, joy was her description. Pure yeah. joy. For me, it is. It feels like whatever brought me to that launching point. Yeah. Right. So if it's joy, if it's adoration, if it's praise, if it's exciting, if yeah. it's Thanksgiving, it feels like that. Yeah. If it's rage, if it's anger, if it's, oh, no, devil, no further in Jesus name. No. Then it's, it's an intensity it's of, the of that. anger. Yeah. yeah. That oh, fight. Uh-uh, no, stop. I rebuke you. No, come against you. No, stop.
0: It's yeah.
1: All of that. Yeah. Yeah you going to get me started. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to go sit I'm down. i about to and go think. down. Bro. <laughs>
0: so, so, okay, so, so there is this kind of feeling that's attached to it. I didn't I did want to give you a chance because I, I, you and I had this quick conversation before service, and I think this is, like, really helpful yeah. because, again, many of us are brand new to this. So it was almost like, go, yeah, go ahead. I want to say,
1: like, like, to me, uh, given, given our objective as a church and where we're going, for for me culturally it's 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 um it's natural, right? It's not so foreign, uh it doesn't happen every day, it's not all the time. People don't walk around like that, like we just do, but but the Holy Spirit uses us in that way. But in a sense of breakthrough, uh we prefer it. We hope for it, we pray toward it, right? Because because we all know that we're only capable of doing so much in the natural realm. Mm -hmm. And this takes us to the next place where we are more capable of fulfilling God's intent. So we actually hope this happens. It is our prayer. Um, At times, the most of mine are are exporting. There are times I'm involved with the conversation as it comes back, right? And that looks like just in those times, and, and I understand that, There's a remedy for the church, there's a salve, there's a solution, there's a word, Mm -hmm. right? That maybe could come prophetically, but in this regard, it comes like, so I I think that when it happens, there can be private, that happens publicly. Mm -hmm. There are occasions where God is speaking to the church or speaking to the masses. And of course, that can go wrong, but, the possibility of it going wrong is not worth shutting it down because it mostly goes right. Yeah. And the fear of not having it be alive and active is to our detriment,
0: hmm.
1: right? Because that, that I've, I've, and, and even wrong, there are safeguards in place, right? Yeah. If you've experienced it, you understand the like, discernment of spirits, what you just yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. Like I can, I, I can humbly, I'm growing in my ability to know when it's authentic or not. Yeah. Right, so humbly, I would say that.
0: I mean, they're right next to each other in the list, right. too, so, so it's not unfathomable so to think they would interact. I've also
1: seen it come to the church and here's the word from the Lord, right? And the church goes up because it's what we need and and we wouldn't want that to be shut down for nothing. Of course, there are safeguards. Of course, there are Cautions as we proceed, but the goal is to have it happen. (laughs) Mm. The hope, the prayer, right? Because only the Holy Spirit can break through the territory uh, are the strongholds that
0: that that would
1: keep us divided.
0: Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, so here, and I know we got to shut things down. I know we're getting to the end here, Um, but in the context of our church, bringing together, um, there's Pastor Ken's church, many people from from the church healing place are starting to come and hang out. This would be their norm. There are people who were at Common Ground before that probably this was their background and their norm Um, and maybe felt like they could not express that gift. And I think it's worth just publicly saying, we want to invite you to express your gift. We are not saying that everyone has to have this gift. But I would say, be humble enough just to ask God. Maybe there's something here that I didn't realize. That's the question I'm asking God right now in the midst of this. Um, And so, as we are trying to interact, be welcoming in the plurality of these different viewpoints that we have. Again, trying to create that common ground in the midst of us, but to feel a sense of release that... um, uh, that this is uh, something that is welcomed at, at Common Ground Northeast.
1: Yeah, and I would love to speak to that as well, which is to say, it's good if you don't have this gift. Um, I think, God, like, we need your gift as well. And, like, the best mm-hmm. thing you could do for the church is acknowledge and be proficient in your gift. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and horny and, and get uh, more, uh, get past uh, the shame of it, the embarrassment of it, uh, yeah. Be acclimated to your gift. You know, what I mean, God didn't give us all the same gift so that we would work together. And, 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 and people who have the gift of tongues need you to exercise your gift as well. So it, it's all good. But we, we hope that these things are active because uh, the devils, the demons, the strongholds, all of those things out there that are well organized against us hope that we aren't organized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and hope that we aren't proficient mm-hmm. and hope that our fear of it keep us from exercising.
0: Yeah, amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, um, well I'm going to have you pray for us here at the end, and then we'll do, you, you can sure? take on the response. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: like, like you know I've been sitting on this for a minute, right? <laughs>
0: You do it. Listen to, to Jesus and do what no, he says, no, man. So, we're, we're good. So this is
1: cultural negotiation. Someone They're, asked me, Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, here. no, you're good. Someone asked me from the healing place, like, when you were here, it's like, bro, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want to say that? Go ahead. No, no, and intro, dude, you're intro good.
0: that. Well, okay. Intro that. This is, we've been talking about this for a bit. Um, someone, someone said um, they knew that you normally spoke in tongues and you were leading here. You're on staff at that point, and the question was, are you suppressing the gift that the Spirit has given you for this new context? Tell, you tell them the answer, though.
1: The answer is yeah. I, I, I am and I have been. Um, and, and why? Um, I, I guess to my—I didn't want it to be to the church's detriment, but with the bigger goal in mind mm-hmm. of saying— like, for some people, it might be enough that whatever's different about me is different to bring that in as well. So I have sat on this, but I knew I couldn't always because it's more naturally yeah. who I am. So And there were times. So, so to be here and to, to along, go along to get along for the opportunity at some point. So it became clear to me at some point that as much as all of this was about, for me personally, being here, culture—it was also that I came, or people like me come, right, so that the Holy Spirit might be released in this place mm-hmm. to do, Amen. to do, and be more. So, but because of course, if we really want to do the cultural work, it's going to require the Holy Spirit being released at this level. Yeah. 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 So, so Amen. that's a. Sh- like, that's the devil, one of his main strongholds in the country. So if we're contending in that area, Amen. we wouldn't have a chance without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. Amen. Yeah. So so uh, in the second and third grade class today, uh, Jenny, Elder Jenny, uh, was walking down the hall, and she was teaching this song. I'm like, what's she teaching? She's like, oh, I'm teaching about the Holy Spirit. So I was like, let me see it. And she did it, and I was like, yeah, I got to have those, right? <laughs> so I was like, these are my tongues of fire, right? And this is my mighty wind. So it goes like, tongues of fire, tongues of fire, mighty wind, mighty wind. The Holy Ghost is coming, the Holy Ghost is coming in his power, in his power. Hand clap, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, so... Well, no, this is crazy, though, because this is what our second and third, two and three-year-olds are learning today. Yeah. So it is inevitable, like a tsunami, one thing that is very clear to me, mm-hmm. uh, that we're going to win the cultural battle in as much as we win this, the Holy Ghost battle, mm-hmm. the spiritual battle. The Holy Spirit is coming to Common Ground Northeast in all of its power, and it's coming like a tsunami. Mm -hmm. And there's no way we can get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening here. Amen. let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for this time. God, we thank you for your cause for which you have brought us all together. We trust you, Lord. We believe you. We love you, God. And there are areas where we are uncertain. We're walking by faith and not by fight. Certainly fear rears its head. Certainly all these questions rear their head. But we come against them in the name of Jesus. We cast them down. We rebuke them in your name, in your power, in your spirit. Let your anointing. Come, Let your power come. Free us uh, in this place. Have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name. We submit to you. Have your way. Come on, everybody. Have your way. Have Have your way, Lord. Speak it out. Have your way, Lord. God, pray now that your anointing comes and all of your power do your work here in the name of Jesus. By the enemy, we cast him out. He has no jurisdiction. He has no place. He has no power here. Let your will be done. We declare it. This is your house. This is your place. Let it be so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let it be so. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. 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 Would you all? Oh, you got the response. You got